Welcome in Rose City to the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. I'm Ryan Clark, joined by Chris Reifer. Chris, it is the off-season, headed into uh, Thanksgiving week for those who celebrate. Um, what, what are you looking forward to most as we, as we approach that holiday? Two World Cups in eight months. That's it. That's mm. what I'm most looking forward to. Uh, this <laughs> is like the, you know, the most concentrated. That's right. This is the most concentrated World Cup action we are going to have in our lifetimes. Uh, and so I think, I mean, look, if I had my way, we would sort of just be like, all right, you know, next eight months or so, nobody's working. All eyes are exclusively on the World Cups. And then we'll like pick back up, you know, the economy. Uh, afterwards basically like a covid shutdown but instead of for covid for world cups i'm looking forward to stuffing and gravy and uh and yams that's what i'm looking forward to for the next yams? couple of weeks yeah i don't know is it bad to call them yams you're it, a yams or, guy yeah rather than sweet potatoes i don't know you can call them both right that's true marshmallows or no in, in a sense yeah what, what, yeah nah Nah, I'm not no. like I'm not an overly sweet sweet potato guy. Uh I think I think there's a place for sweet potatoes on the Thanksgiving table. Um but I am not like a, you know, crank up the sweet cuz like there are people who like have sweet potatoes which are as their name suggests sweet in their own right. And then they like cover them in syrup or some kind of sweet substance and then they put marshmallows on top. And it's just like <laughs> now you've just made like bad candy <laughs> and put it on the table to like i don't know i'm i I'm, I'm not a fan of overly sweet sweet potatoes i am a fan of sweet potatoes use them regularly but let's let's not lose our heads okay this was this was a listener question and we'll get to to more of them later in the podcast but favorite uh, thanksgiving side go favorite thanksgiving side it's definitely dressing uh yeah and i want to point out the difference between dressing and stuffing stuffing is cooked inside the turkey Dressing is not yes. so. So stuffing is stuffing is basically like dressing, but with an, an additional willingness to take your life into your own hands, um, and like you know, like with like additional chance of death. Uh, but yeah, uh, it which, has which been can, touching look, I mean, the inside of of a raw turkey. Yes, that's that's right. Uh, and and for the thrill seekers out there, they might prefer dressing, or excuse me, they might prefer stuffing uh, to add a little bit of uh, of of you know uh, terror to the Thanksgiving meal. I prefer, uh, in, in my advanced stage now, I prefer dressing. Yeah, no, I, I can sympathize with that. I, I enjoy both. I would say stuffing slash dressing is also my number one, but a contender and one that doesn't often appear at my family's Thanksgivings. But when it does, I'm excited about is Mac and cheese. I will always, uh, consume any and all Mac and cheese related items, uh, when, when they're put in front of me. So that would be, Made by a secondary contender to just be a little different from from your choice. Yeah, mac and cheese is like is like the uh, the O blood type for non vegans, right? Uh, <laughs> whereas O is like the universal donor. Mac and cheese is like the universal side. You can put it with anything, and basically everybody's going to be happy it's there. Like nobody's going to be like, ah, crap. 
I almost did it. Ah, crud. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you brought mac and cheese to the meal. Nobody ever <laughs> will, 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 you know, uh, will, will decry mac and cheese's presence unless you're vegan or lactose intolerant, I suppose. We almost uh, had to change shouts, the, the rating shout. of the podcast after, after that. That was, that's that was right. Dangerous. Yeah. I mean, could have been, you know, off season, it gets a little loosey goosey, uh, viewer. I mean, especially viewer, but listener discretion is advised. Yeah, we're about five minutes into the Thanksgiving discussion here, so we'll. Uh, I'll add one more thing before we move on to to the soccer uh, rolls. Nice soft roll with some butter. That's that's up there. Yeah, that's, that's definitely pro. Yeah, turkey, not very good. Well, come on now. Uh, I think this is a bad take, and I actually think <laughs> the turkey is not very good take is sort of like a Thanksgiving way of telling on yourself for not being very good at preparing turkey. Mm. Because turkey is in many ways, like I get it, it is not like the most expressive of the meats. Uh, but it's also arguably like, you know, the the blankest of canvas of meats. And so, like, if you are talented at making turkey, if you're good at making turkey, turkey can be very good and it can be very tasty. Uh, and I, I definitely wouldn't put myself in, in you know, the, the talented category. Uh, but, like, I, I feel like I can hack it a little bit uh, with some turkey. I'm trying to I'm going to do something a little bit different this year where, like, in, in the past, I have roasted it. Uh, I have ro- sort of roasted a turkey, but on. Uh, my Kamado grill, which I use for smoking and and things like that this year, I think I'm going to do because it's a little bit of a smaller gathering. I think I'm going to do sort of a barbecue style Turkey breast. So if you go down, if you go to good barbecue joints in most places that are like, you know, barbecue region, they will have Turkey on the menu and they smoke it and they smoke it sort of like a brisket, although it doesn't take quite as long, um, because of the nature of the meat and the like. And and so I think I'm going to give that a try, uh, because I've, uh, I, I have some brisket smoking experience. I've never smoked a turkey in this way, and I'm kind of interested. And I really enjoy it when it's well done at one of those barbecue joints. And so I'm, I'm giving it a try. I'm definitely with you there. I mean, I, I smoke turkey at, at different barbecue restaurants I've had has been good. I just, I don't know, maybe... Maybe this is a, a bit of a condemnation of my, my father's, uh, you know, Thanksgiving recipe uh, for, for the turkey. Maybe maybe he needs to step. Get it together, back. Mr. Clark. Yeah, come on, John. Get it together. Um, <laughs> so that's the first John Clark mention on the pod, and he uh, he, he gets his cooking talked poorly about. So that I'm sure he just absolutely getting, roasted, just he, roasted his first, his first mention on the podcast pun intended okay we will move on to uh to some soccer here in fairness my puns are basically always intended yeah even like even and especially when they're terrible yeah it's pretty relentless if i'm being honest uh the the, uh the timbers timbers to be fair though and i think we need to have one more quick aside before we get to the timbers yes uh i mean there is an undisputed pun king in the uh, in the Portland sports journalism and commentary world. Uh, and I like, I don't think anybody could even, even like make an argument. Otherwise it is by far Bill Orem, right? Yeah. That guy is, he, he, yeah. he like puns are basically a language to him. Uh, and it is, uh, it's, it, it's, it's phenomenal. I love it, but I also feel like it's somebody who just comes like really heavy with the puns in sports writing. I feel like is basically my like 
personal brand, but nobody else's. Like, like Bill is not here for anybody else. It's just me. Uh, and audience and of it. one. Yeah. No, he, he, he does. He had like a streak of, uh, of Drew Eubanks related puns the other day on Twitter that were just relentless. It, it was phenomenal. It's great. So shout out to Bill Reynolds high school zone. Yeah. Reynolds high school zone, Troutdale shack, Mr. Drew Eubanks. <laughs> that's, uh, that, that's exactly right. So we've, we've, we've had a, a Drew Eubanks shout out. We've had a John Clark shout out on the podcast thus far. Uh, let's shout out Liam Ridgewell. Because he was added to the staff for the Portland Timbers, an assistant coach under Giovanni Savarese. Uh, The remainder of the uh, coaches, the assistants were extended. Uh, That among uh, three other notable offseason moments for the Timbers, uh, nobody was taken in the expansion draft by St. Louis, despite the fact that Zach McGraw, Marvin Loria were both uh, left available for that. Uh, Felipe Mora and Claudio Bravo were both extended. Uh, some compelling notes uh, between the two of them. Obviously, Mora recovering from a second major knee surgery uh, in less than a year. So we'll see when he returns to the field. And then obviously, Claudio Bravo emerging as one of the top left backs in MLS. Uh, they sign him through potentially 2027, which um, given his potential, I could see other things happening before that contract expires, but we'll, we'll get into all that. Uh, starting with, with Liam though, Riggi added to the, to the staff. Um, what were your thoughts when that went down? Slightly interesting, slightly surprising, to be honest. Uh, those of us who remember all the way back in 2018, uh, recall that, that, that Ridgewell and, and Gio Savarese were not a sort of it was not an immediate love affair, put it that way. Uh, and, and you know, I mean, that was sort of toward the end uh, of, of Ridgewell's career. Gio was obviously new and putting his stamp on the locker room. Um, and that's that's not a relationship that seemed to, to get off on a great foot. Clearly, it's improved uh, and, and has improved quite a bit to the point where uh, where Ridgewell is now going to be part of, of Gio's staff. But interesting. Uh, otherwise, you know, it, it'll it'll be uh, interesting to see how it goes. Uh, I think Ridgewell is obviously somebody who has endeared himself over the course of the years uh, to the fan base fair, uh, fairly well. Uh, and so I think people like to see folks like that stay within the club. And it certainly helps to have that kind of uh, and and to develop and, and, and cultivate that kind of institutional knowledge. Uh, but the question, of course, remains, is, is he going to be a good coach? And And that'll be interesting to see. Absolutely. And, uh, and I think he, there's a potential for him to make an impact on the back line as well. There's a lot of uh, issues that the team has had on that end. And, and you know, coaches can only do so much. You're going to need, obviously, personnel changes in order to alleviate a lot of those issues. But um, I, I feel like a guy like Riggi, um, you know, his presence, his ability to to be right there with and and even as an assistant coach, he could be training right alongside them. You know, he, I've, I've seen him at Timbers training before out there, uh, you know, providing advice and, and even outside of an assistant coaching role, um, you know, people value his voice on that. He, he's a guy that's played uh, at some seriously high levels in his career and then obviously had a lot of success uh, with the Timbers. So that that's exciting, I think, for, for the club. And then obviously – Geo maintaining the rest of his staff, that continuity, continuity, uh, he, he would hope to, um, 
you know, build on some of the successes that he's had in, in these first couple of years. Uh, interesting to me that, you know, jumping into the expansion draft discussion, um, that nobody was taken uh, from the Timbers. I, I feel like the big worry was Zach McGraw, given given his youth, given his potential, uh, and and that didn't transpire. So I'm, I think that that's a positive, but, you know, Timbers fans also had this idea in their head that, oh, maybe St. Louis will take one of our difficult contracts off our hands. No, that's not happening. That almost never happens. Yeah, that never but, happens. I mean, th- that's why that's why Sebastian Blanco wasn't protected, right? Because the Timbers were, could be pretty certain that that wasn't going to happen. Uh, and, you know, that's why it was, frankly, a little bit of a surprise that Yaroslav Nishigoda and Jimmy Chara both were protected, although it is certainly possible, uh, and, and maybe it's even likely, uh, given everything, uh, that there are just clauses in their contract that required them uh, to be to be protected in the expansion draft. Uh, but I was, I, you know, I thought there was a genuine chance, and I don't know if I would have said it was likely, but I think there was a genuine chance that either McGraw or Marvin Loria who I actually think if you if you sort of dig into Loria's underlying numbers from from 2022, uh, there would have been a pretty straightforward case to say that that is a guy who we can go out and get and who can be a contributor on our team at a really reasonable budget number. Uh, and so I would have been very interested in both of those guys if, if I was St. Louis. They had other plans, uh, and, and that is good for the Timbers because I think those are two guys whom – the Timbers expect to be very budget friendly contributors uh, in 2023. And, and so I think, it, I, I think the, the Timbers were probably quite pleased uh, to come out of that unscathed uh, in light of the fact that they did have to leave exposed or, or did leave exposed uh, to guys who, you know, seemed like pretty credible picks to be selected. Yeah. And I, I think that, you have to be excited about what you have with the two of them. If, if you're the Timbers, uh, particularly McGraw, who I, I think really came into his own down the stretch of the regular season for, for Portland. Um, Loria really showed flashes, particularly early in the season where you could see him being a regular contributor. If not next year, then uh, definitely the year after that. I, I think that next year could be his, his real opportunity to break into the regular rotation uh we we don't know how exactly sebastian blanco's minutes are going to be managed next season he was pretty limited this year uh add another year to to the mileage and and you know we'll see um i i think it's interesting that that Niasgoda and chara were not protect or that were protected because i i think that there is the potential there for for those two guys to to be transferred elsewhere um, this is not you know something that is based in any sort of I'm hearing this, that, or the other from the club. But I think that that protection allows for them to, to find other uh, avenues to, to move on from, from those two guys. Uh, it is possible to, to reduce Nia's Goda's contract down to a, a TAM level. Um, Chara is, is a different story. Chara is, is the big question mark and um, in senior DP. Yeah, locked in senior DP, and and he's somebody that, you know, you could see maybe mo- making a move to Colombia. You know, making a move back back to his home country. There has been um, appearances that he's made on. Could they on, on his on current shows. salary? Yeah, exactly. I mean, mo- most Colombian sides don't necessarily have the uh, financial wherewithal to to 
invest in somebody like Jimmy, but pay a million uh, plus dollars a year. Yeah. Yeah. Now that would be, it would be a pretty major move for a club uh, down there. So it would, it's going to be interesting, you know, how those two, two are handled. Um, the other notable off season, uh, points beyond the, the two extensions, which we can get to, uh, more on this topic is, is the fact that Evander, uh, is, is coming down the pike for, for the Timbers. Uh, I've heard that this is essentially a done deal, uh, and that it should be announced within the next couple of weeks. It could very well even be announced next week. Uh, this is going to be the club record signing for the Timbers, um, upwards of $10 million transfer fee. Uh, that's bigger than what was paid for Brian Fernandez, which was previously the, the biggest uh, for the club. And so this is a guy who, uh, in the mold of someone like Hani Mukhtar, who made the move from the Danish Super League and then was MLS MVP this most recent year, this is somebody who could be an immediate major impact player as a, as a central attacking mid- midfielder, uh, 25-year-old Brazilian, super talented uh, finally a threat in the attacking third for, for the Timbers, a team that really did not have a consistent one all season. Um, the, the compelling sub story, we'll, we'll obviously talk more about Evander once it officially goes through, but the compelling sub story for me is what is the move that is going to be made in order to make that possible, right? Is it is it paying down yep. Sebastian Blanco's contract to get him to TAM level? Is it moving either Jimmy Chara or Daroslavny's Goda? Um, that, that's going to, to be interesting if that gets announced prior to the Evander signing or if that's something that they take care of on the back end and then uh, everything falls where it's supposed to. I mean, my, my thinking is that the you know, the path of least resistance, so to speak. And that's not necessarily to say that the path of least resistance is the wisest path, but I, you know, I, I start from an assumption. I think it's a fairly safe assumption, uh, that unless they make some other move, like getting a huge allocation money haul from trading somebody like Eric Williamson, uh, the, the timbers aren't going to be able to buy down both Yaroslav Nishkota and Sebastian Blanco from their, you know, high TAM or max TAM contracts. It just takes a lot of allocation money to do that, right? It's a, it's a million bucks in allocation money just to buy a guy like that down underneath the DP threshold. Then of course you still have that very high cap hit still hitting on the cap. And so you might, it might even take more allocation money to make it all work uh, from a cap perspective. Uh, and, and so it, per player, that's a million dollars of allocation money, which is a ton. Uh, and so I, I think you, I start sort of from the, from the assumption that they probably can't do that for Nishgoda and for Blanco and for all the other guys that they, that they have devoted uh, allocation money to on, on the roster, which is a number, right? I mean, it, it's several other uh, folks who are sort of in the TAM range, right? You've got uh, Felipe Mora, uh, who we believe is probably still in the TAM range, although I guess we don't know that uh, with his extension to be sure. Uh, Claudio Bravo, kind of a similar deal was, um, with it, with his, his new contract, it's a little bit more difficult to say. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Dario Zuperich, you've got uh, at least in theory uh, Diego Chara, Eric Williamson. Uh, you, you know, I mean, and you, there are several guys on the roster who are sort of in this category in which you need to allocate some degree of allocation money to them. And so it's hard to imagine that you can service all of those needs while also paying down. Nishkota, while also paying down Blanco from sort of high TAM or max TAM contracts. 
So that that is all to say that I sort of assume in order to bring in Evander, they're going to have to part ways with, I mean, the obvious one is Nishigata, right? Especially if the Timbers still plan, as they have said many times, to go out and sign another number nine, uh, which I think is... I mean, look, we all lived through 2022, right? So so the reasons for why they would want to do that, I think, are pretty obvious. Uh, but if they're going to do that, then then you've got to think that there's at least one and maybe multiple uh, moves, which is why I think you've correctly identified both Nishgoda and Jimmy Chara as, as the likeliest to go uh, through one mechanism or another. The Timbers do <coughs> – excuse me. Uh, the Timbers do have one off-season buyout. Uh, that they can use that that's what I've sort of deemed the amnesty clause uh, in in NBA terms uh, where they can buy out one contract every year while remaining uh, while, while sort of wiping that off the salary cap but it's a, it's one shot per year uh, and so they can do that with one but if they're gonna try to move a couple of these guys who are uh, on these these high dollar contracts and who haven't been productive chara and Jimmy Chara, to be clear, don't want to confuse that issue. No, uh, and, and Nishigoda, uh, then then they're gonna have to find some some other way. Maybe there's a way to do it uh, of signing all these these folks while keeping, you know, at least one of those guys. I don't know if that's even desirable, <laughs> uh, <laughs> even if there was a way to do it. Uh, but you know, I I, I think maybe there, there there's there's a way to do it, but it's gonna be interesting to see how how it all comes together. So I think you're right to identify that as the subplot. It's I mean, it's kind of been the subplot of that we've been talking about for a while uh, of how the Timbers are going to free up the cap space in order to make the moves that they need to make to reshape the roster to make it more competitive in 2023 than it was in 2022. Uh, because what we saw over the course of 2022 was a Timbers team that did a good job to get results through some stretches of the season, but generally never looked like a team that was a bona fide threat to make an MLS cup run or something like that. Uh, and, and that's, uh, that's something that they need to fix. Yeah. And, and I, my understanding at this point is, is that their other priorities once Evander is completed, uh, is, is to sign that number nine and then to, to add an additional center back to the mix. Um, you talk about the, the potential amnesty quote unquote, uh, being, being used. Uh, there is a possibility that that could be used on somebody other than those two, uh, DPs that, that are the big glaring, obvious, uh, people they need to move on from. You think about a guy like Larry's Mabiala, who's, who's toward the end of his yeah. career and wasn't terribly effective in the back half of the season. Uh, you know, Zuperich is somebody you'd like to keep around theoretically as kind of a, a gritty veteran center back, but but that could happen with him too, just given the price tag that, that you're dealing with with him. Um, so it's it's gonna be interesting how how that um that position in particular is addressed, the center back, because you know, started this last season, uh Gio Savarese was talking about having four starters at center back. Uh and by the end of the year, uh, it didn't really pan out that way as far Looking as more like one or two. Yeah. More, one, one point five to two <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Uh, and, and one of them being, being a really young guy that's still proving himself in, in Zach McGraw. So, um, it'll be interesting to see how that position's handled and, and what type of player they go for as far as a striker. Uh, do they go, foreign as they often do uh do they do they stay within the the 
MLS and potentially sign a free agent, which is a very rare occurrence. Uh, not a terribly likely one for a team that's got so much money tied up uh, as the Timbers, but you know we'll we'll see how that pans out. No, but Jossie's artist is sitting out there, right? Yeah, and and I you know I I think if you can. I, I mean, I, I, I don't think that's plan A, and it's probably not plan B and probably not even plan C for the Timbers. Frankly, the the center back market in free agency is a lot more interesting uh, than than the striker market. There are a number of pretty good center backs, uh, Alexander Collins, Aaron Long. There are multiple pretty good center backs on the free agency market in MLS. I, I think if you know if you want to make a move there, that is potentially a budget friendly way to go about that. Uh, and, and you can probably make that move with, with no acquisition cost as, a, as the name suggests, free agency, uh, and, uh, and, and, and get a guy, uh, who is proven in, in, in the league, uh, as, as, as being an effective center back. So I, I would, if I was them really look at that free agency market, uh, in, in the center back, uh, at the center back position, uh, and probably go international, uh, for a number nine, but you know, I, I I don't I think you kick the tires on Jesse, right? You see what that would take, what that number would be. Uh, he's obviously a guy who scored a ton of goals in MLS. Didn't have a great year last year at Colorado, but maybe that's the way that you can get him on a on a little bit of a budget friendly number and keep some powder dry uh, for the summer transfer window or or thereafter, while bringing in a guy who who I think you can reasonably think will you know produce at at least the level that, that a Yaroslav Nizhgoda would have. So, you know, that's a possibility. Uh, I think if they're going to make a free agent signing and I do think they should, I think teams who are ignoring this more robust MLS free agency as a roster building mechanism are making a huge mistake because it is robust. There are good players and not just over the hill players, uh, who are MLS free agents. Uh, and there should be competition to get those players because they're good MLS players. Timbers, I think this year were maybe the only team in MLS that didn't have a player on the roster that played for another MLS team uh, that, you know, I mean, look, I, we've just seen teams be successful uh, bringing in players from other MLS uh, teams. And so the Timbers shouldn't ignore that. Now, I think the maybe the bigger question with respect to Evander and his arrival, imminent arrival is how the Timbers are going to put together their central midfield. And I think this loops in questions about Eric Williamson, uh, but it also just just raises bigger sort of structural questions uh, about how that central midfield is going to work. Gio Savarese clearly likes that three-player central midfield, right? Uh, he rarely varied from it, uh, even when tinkers were made in other parts of the field. Uh, they almost always played with a three-player central midfield. Uh, and and so I think it's a reasonable assumption, though not a guarantee, that they'll continue with that approach going forward. And I think Evander's signing very much suggests that that's going to be the case. Because if you're going to bring in somebody like that, you're probably going to play with three in the middle. Uh, it might be in a sort of a four-two-three-one where you're playing with a true ten rather than a six and two eights, one eight more advanced than the other. Uh, but you know, I mean, you're probably going to be going with that three uh, three-man central midfield. And generally, when you're going to do that, you know, Evander, I think, is probably in pin uh, as the starter at the most advanced role there. And I think you've got to figure until we see anything otherwise 
uh, that Diego Chara is an in-pin starter as the number six uh, in in that group. What are you going to do with the number eight? Because I, I I think if you have an attacking-oriented player as as the highest of the three players in that central midfield, and you have look, I mean, a, a player who is is, is Obviously, in the twilight of his career as the number six, you probably want that middle player in this in in that central midfield to be kind of a ground chewing, you know, two way defensive hard, you know, hard defensive player uh, kind of profile. And I'm not sure that either Christian Paredes or Eric Williamson really fit that mold. I think you could play either of them in that spot, but I think they're both not exactly ideal. Uh, maybe Paredes fits the profile a little bit more than Williamson, but Williamson really is more of a, a more advanced central midfielder, right? He's, he's a guy who's going to help you a lot in transition, who, who's going to be a, a really creative force, but he's not a guy with an enormous defensive work rate. Uh, and so, you know, the way the central midfield is coming together, I, I just think there are structural questions. And if we get to the point where Diego Chara is, is not as, as sort of active uh, in covering ground and doing that kind of stuff as he has in the past. And I think, frankly, you could probably see signs of that in 2022 and even in 2021 a little bit, even though he has remained an excellent player. Uh, I, I, I think there are concerns there. And David Ajala, who, uh, who the Timbers have brought in to be sort of the successor at that number six spot, clearly has some development still to do, uh, especially on the defensive side of the, uh, of the game. It doesn't seem to be sort of uh, a ground chewing uh, kind of central midfielder. Frankly, I, I think he's a young player who has one indisputably elite skill uh, and has development to do in most of the rest of the part of his game. That indisputably elite skill is his passing range uh, that he has with that, with that quite cultured left foot. Um, but has development to do in, 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 in the rest of the, of the part of his game. I think that's a smart signing for the Timbers to make because you can't, if you can develop the rest of the game, that guy could end up being a serious, serious contributor. But, but really he's not the kind of guy who you'd too. expect to, to step in immediately. Yeah. Congratulations to, to, uh, to Davian and, and his, uh, and his wife. Um, so I, I just think, you know, Evander's signing kind of makes it, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Timbers shape up that central midfield, because it seems to me that there are structural questions. Now, maybe, maybe Williamson will, will be able to sort of, uh, you know, whatever become more aligned with geo, whatever the, the, the disconnect was there uh, and won't make a move and, and will sort of be eager to embrace uh, a more two way role. Uh, maybe Paredes is going to come along sort of in, in, in the defensive part of his game. That's possible. Um, you know, I, I think there are questions uh, about that unit. Uh, and given that that's where they just made a $10 million signing, I'm not sure you'd like to have that many questions about that unit. Yeah, no, we'll see how they end up uh, tactically approaching that and who they end up putting in those spots. Um, I, I think that um, I think that Eric has a little more of a of an ability to, to be kind of a holding midfielder than, than maybe you are giving him credit for. I think that he, when he had the opportunities was, was solid in that spot. Um, but, but I do agree that Paredes, uh, is probably your better option, um, at this point for, for that type of 
position. Now, if they want to change things up and um, have have Williamson a little higher with Evander, that might be a different story. And and I think would probably be a more effective use of of their current roster construction. And and you know there are two additional moves I, I do want to get to here before we uh, move on to the Thorns. It's it's the Felipe Mora extension and the Claudio Bravo extension, uh, starting with Bravo, uh, locked him in through 2026 with an option for 27. Uh, that's a guy who Gio Savarese has said is one of the best left backs in the league. Uh, and, and so that's important for the club to have, have locked him up. The more intriguing of the two signings, I think though, is, is Mora because, you know, you've got the injuries to deal with and, and, um, his deal was real restructured, uh, theoretically a reduction of salary, uh, for more years, uh, to, to give the team a little more flexibility and to, to provide him with a little more security given that he was in and is still in this type of limbo uh, with, with the injury and recovery and everything else. Uh, he's not really expected back until like May at the earliest. So uh, that's interesting to me, the the more signing. Yeah. And you can see sort of what both sides are thinking there. You can especially see what more is thinking there, right? Uh, I think 2023 is a pretty uncertain proposition for, for him. And if that was going to be the last guaranteed year of his contract, uh, I think you could see that he might have a lot of concerns about what he was going to be able to get after that. Uh, I mean, given that he's going to be out for the first third or so of the season uh, and, and you know, has a, <laughs> a road to recovery after that, uh, I think you could, you know, you could see how 2023 may not be a huge year for Mora. And if he doesn't have a huge year in 2023, he might be sort of sitting there at the end of the season saying, shoot, where's my next contract coming from and what that what's that going to be? So you can see how this extension, even if he's giving up a little bit of uh, of short-term money, uh, would be you know a, a sensible move for him. It's an interesting one for the Timbers. And you know, the Timbers know a lot more about Felipe Moore's medical situation than we do. And so you know you sort of have to have to acknowledge that at the front end. but you know, this is not, they are making now a multi-year commitment to a guy for whom I think there are no safe bets. Certainly a good player before he had these injury issues, but look, I mean, his, his, uh, his surgery that he had, uh, toward the end of the season this year was a really major one by, by all indications, it is microfracture surgery, which is something that, that Blazers fans certainly know quite a bit about, uh, at least if they have a long enough memory. And so, you know, I think, uh, I, I think there are, you know, this is certainly an expression of confidence from the Timbers. I'll put it that way, that Felipe Moore is going to be able to come back and, and is going to be able to be at least a, a meaningful contributor, uh, for multiple years to come. Um, if, if they are right, if he comes back and he is at or near the form that he was in 2021, uh, this is going to be a boon for them. And they are going to have a really effective budget-friendly player. Uh, if he doesn't, if because of a combination of injuries and age, he comes back and he's not, uh, and he's not the productive player that he was, uh, then they will have handcuffed themselves into a multi-year guaranteed contract. Uh, so it, this is an interesting bet from the Timbers. Uh, they think they clearly think that Moore is going to be able to come back uh, and and be something close to the guy who he was, uh, and we'll see how it plays out. 
For the Thorns, uh, Rocky Rodriguez was the first extension announced for the offseason. Uh, she's somebody that's really become a, a fan favorite, a beloved player for, for Thorns fans. Uh, just a gritty, tough uh, midfielder who, who uh, really defines the identity, I think, of, of this Thorns team. Um, somebody who, who, when talking to her, uh, has really fallen in love with the city of Portland as well. Um, what do you think about Rocky sticking around for, for the thorns deserved contract after a really, really, really strong finish to 2022. Uh, the thorns probably don't win the title, but for Rocky Rodriguez, I think you can, it's a pretty straightforward case. She was one of their best players down the stretch. Uh, and, uh, and even though I think the year got off to a little bit of a, uh, of a challenging start for her an up and down start for her at the times, uh, at, at times in the second half, she was tremendous and, and that earned her a contract simple as that. Definitely. And, and, you know, it, it kind of mirrored the, uh, the up and down start of, of somebody like Dyrone Espria and then like. Espria came on real strong down the stretch. Obviously, very different players who uh, were in different positions <laughs> as the as the season waned on. But um, you kind of saw their their contributions mirror each other in some ways. And and l- looking at uh, at Sam Coffey as well, um, you know Sam Coffey signed an extension with the Thorns. Uh, that's a big big get for for Portland to to lock somebody up like that for long term because she she is a rookie third in rookie of the year voting uh really somebody who who has emerged as one of the best players in NWSL uh she she was in the best 11 as a rookie in a position she had never played before at the 6 and was still third in rookie of the year voting good rookie class man good Real rookie good. class Good rookie class, still third. Hmm. An interesting discussion point. Do you think she should I mean, have that, been that second or first? <laughs> yes, discussing uh, is what I, we I, do. I th- yeah, that's right. Uh, I th- I think Naomi Girma was was a very reasonably rookie of the year. Uh, yeah, she should have been second. <laughs> that's fair. I, I think uh, she gave credit to the two other players uh, when when I talked to her, and you know she's humble. She's she's she knows that's the because right things that's to say. because she's a nicer person when, than we are. <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean that's maybe she should have her own podcast, you know, or, or at least that I am. Like you know, I'm not going to throw, yeah. throw you under the bus. I I think I'm a pretty but, nice guy. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I mean, look, Sam Coffey was was deservedly a best eleven player uh last year. I mean, it, you had the the US women's national team coach coming out and saying that she should be a contender for MVP, not just not just rookie of the year, MVP, most valuable player, if you didn't, you know, catch the initialism. Uh and and so, you know, I uh, come on, third, give me a break. I think that keeping somebody like Sam Coffee around is is so huge for what this Thorns team wants to do. Obviously the the biggest question mark of the next couple of years is how can you hang on to and pay the proper amount for Sophia Smith because she's a superstar. She's the MVP. She's the engine that makes this team go. But 
Sam Coffee is is right up there in terms of the the importance to what this club wants to achieve in the next few years to build something that could potentially be a dynasty in NWSL. That's that's what they envision with with this group and with the talent that they have. Um, if they really want to make that happen, they'll do something that uh, NWSL fans on Twitter have been dreading as a possibility, and that is uh, signing Dibinia. In, in the off season as a free agent <laughs> that that would be like the the kevin kevin durant joining the 73 win warriors type situation uh of of the nwsl but uh you know regardless you, you've got so many solid players in that midfield with uh with rocky sam uh olivia moultrie starting to come into her own at such a young age um and and going to be inevitably a regular contributor. Yeah. Crystal Dunn, pretty, pretty solid player there. <laughs> one of the, one of the greats of the game uh, who literally won you the semifinal match with a rocket uh, at Providence park, pretty decent resume for her. Um, and then you've got one more extension. The thorns did uh, in the last couple of weeks. And that was Morgan Weaver, uh, a forward, an attacking player, second leading goal scorer on the team somebody who uh, also came into her own at the right time uh and and was really dangerous with sophia smith up top somebody who uh Thorns fans can be really excited about uh keeping around i think morgan weaver deserves de- deserves some credit for the season that she had in 2022 uh you know recall her her college career was just scoring like silly video game numbers at Washington state. And part of that was because she was at Washington state, right? Not exactly a soccer powerhouse, uh, not to throw the Cougs under the bus, but you know, a little bit to throw the Cougs under the bus. Uh, and, 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 and she just scored video game numbers of goals for, for Wazoo. Uh, and then, and, and earned herself earned being the, the operative word, uh, a, a great sort of selection in, in the draft to come to Portland but, you know, I mean, her reputation was as a sort of dominant goal scorer. And that's not the role that that she has here in Portland and that she has a, and, and she has sort of embraced kind of this hard running uh, chaos creating second forward or wide forward role with just absolute enthusiasm and, 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 and with excellence. Uh, and I think as a result, this is another uh, instance in which you have a player who isn't necessarily getting all the numbers that she might in, in other places, but is certainly having the level of impact uh, that justifies uh, getting, getting a long-term contract. And so uh, congratulations to Morgan. It is, it is well, well earned uh, what, she, uh, she has in, in, in this, uh, in this contract. And I think, you know, she is sort of one of the, you know, kind of, uh, you, you know, untold or, or under, you know, not undervalued because I think the thorns obviously value her contributions, uh, very well, uh, but underrated, uh, contributors to a team that was to my eye, the best team in NWSL over the course of the season. Yeah. And one that returning all of these players, is going to be right back there again next season, uh, regardless of th- they could make zero additions to their current roster and be right back there again, winning the championship a year from now. I mean, they they really do have the most complete roster in the league. Uh, there are teams that 
could make a move here or there and get right up on their heels. But I, but I think that this Thorns team, you mentioned it on Twitter, you know, the, the idea of just, just keeping everything together. That's all you really have to Run do. It back. Run it back. Why not? Yeah. You, you had the clearly best team in NWSL uh, last year. Why not uh, do it again? Especially considering uh, that the Shield winners, OL Reign, have the potential to take a step back next season, just given the, the age of some of their stars and, and yeah, the uncertainty. It's, much, it's a much bigger issue for the Reign than the Thorns. Yes, much more so. And and locking these type of players, these these key cogs like Rocky Rodriguez, Sam Coffey, and Morgan Weaver into extensions, uh, it, it all but guarantees your continued contention so long as you're able to to keep all the pieces together. Right. So Christine Sinclair will be back for for at least one more season to to continue her legendary career. Um I can't imagine though that she she will play as many minutes uh in in this next season as as even she did this last year. But I, I think she's she's kind of accepted that, you know, guidance role, that role player type of uh position on this team. Uh she she's somebody who I believe has a has a desire to eventually coach when when it's all said and done. Um so so that's like having two head coaches and that doesn't take anything away from Rian Wilkinson who in her own right has f- fully and capably led this team but um she's got her good pal, her friend Christine Sinclair right there to help help guide this group. Um the 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 Canada takeover of the thorns remains strong as ever. Uh, one note uh, that that we didn't. I for t- one welcome our new Canadian overlords. Yes, <laughs> I also welcome them. Uh, Canadians are very kind people. Uh, they they got the the right idea. Um, one thing we didn't touch on as far as Canadians was uh, was Janine Becky. She is heading to Qatar to um, help with the broadcast team for TSN, which is really exciting for her. So congrats to Janine. Um, another note from the Thorns offseason, Marissa Everett's option was declined after four seasons with the club. Uh, by the looks of social media, she is uh, stepping away from soccer to pursue a career as a nurse. So good good for Marissa. Exciting for her to, to pursue something that she seems to be excited and passionate about. Uh, and then another big question mark heading into this season for, for the a Thorns team that, you know, just when you think they couldn't get any better, they've got somebody named Lindsay Horan, who is over killing it in Lyon, France, uh, who is set to come back from her loan in June. Uh, they have not decided officially what their plans are for her when she comes back, whether she might, you know, seek a transfer elsewhere or, you know, Leon would seek to to buy her at the end of the loan. Uh, she is currently listed on the Thorns roster on the website, so that's not nothing. It's, it's kind. Interesting. It's kind of oh, nothing. By the way, I mean, it's it's not nothing. Uh, it is. Uh, look, I mean, you know, you talk about and 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 folks have speculated about Dabinia Dabinia uh, as as a free agent. I mean. Come on, adding Lindsay Horan to this team uh, is is would be a similar kind of impact, uh, and that's a move that they can do that they can make by doing nothing, uh, by just allowing that to happen. 
uh, which is which is certainly very very interesting. Uh, uh, one note: she, she is under contract through twenty twenty five. Just just for clarity's sake, it's not like they got to renegotiate with her when she gets back. Yeah. She she is under contract with the Thorns through twenty twenty five. Yeah, and so this I mean this needs to be a talking point uh, and a central talking point in in sort of the Thorns roster build or i think maybe roster just maintenance uh, is probably the better way to put it because the the roster just does not need to be built it, it is already built um so just keep everything well greased uh and 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 run it back uh one other note uh Christine Sinclair she is on a book tour right now uh, promoting her book playing the long game she will be at Powell's Books which Portlanders know well uh Saturday at 1 p.m. so if if that is the kind of thing that you are into by all means yeah, um, I, I read that book. Uh, it was it was outstanding. It was a fun read. I, you, I should we do a should we do a Ryan's book corner kind of deal? Uh, nestle up to the fire, kids. It's it's time for a little uh, <laughs> little book corner segment here. Uh, playing the long game by Christine Sinclair. Uh, really, you know, very on brand book. I think for Sink, it, it's not the the kind of memoir that's got a bunch of juicy details and you know shocking moments and and overwhelmingly exciting you know little tidbits but that's that's sync right she she's not this person who's going to you know tell these over the top stories some of some of the bits in there are genuinely really entertaining uh she swears a bunch in in different spots which is hilarious she talks about um you know a, a beef with a referee at the at the olympics she talks about um her disdain for the u.s women's national team a little bit <laughs> which is funny because she's friends with so many women on that team um it, but it really like what it functions as is a, is a chronicle of of her career of uh, and how it has mirrored the rise of, of Canada women's soccer on the global stage, uh, leading up to it and culminating with their gold medal at the Olympics. Uh, and now, you know, in what should probably be her final World Cup, I'm not going to write anything off. She's she's proven her ability to play many, many years. But this, this in all likelihood, 2023 will be uh, Sink's final World Cup with Team Canada. Um, potentially her final season with the Portland Thorns, but maybe she'll, she'll add another uh, on top of 2023 really compelling to, to look back on, on the career of the, the world's all time leading goal scorer in international play um, and, and a fun read, you know, sports biographies can, can get a little, you know, narcissistic and a little, they, in can, the, be in, they can be brutal to read. Um, I I was worried about that with this because I don't usually read a lot of sports biographies and and it wasn't the case at all. I I was really um interested in it and given that I'm not a, a Canada soccer diehard, I learned a lot of uh cool details and and a few behind the scenes moments that that folks will find compelling. So yeah, if people want to meet Sync, if they want to get their book signed, take a picture with her, uh she's there at Powell's on Saturday at 1 p.m. So that'll be a fun fun day. Speaking of pictures uh, and fun pictures, there has been a, a a couple fun pictures floating around uh, Twitter and the like of Sophia Smith meeting Abby Wambach as a 12-year-old and then hanging out with Abby Wambach over the weekend uh, uh, at – at well, I can't remember what the function was or I don't even know if I have the context from the picture. 
but it is nonetheless. It was the, it was uh, the players' dinner for for that's right. The, it was the, the women's dinner. national okay. team. Yeah, uh, but nonetheless, it was a uh, it was a very like great you know, how it started, how it's going sort of moment. Yeah, that was a great moment to see somebody like uh, so really full circle for her at being someone who grew up like a, a huge fan of, of these these women these these titans of the game and then to be playing alongside them or even in the case of abby wombach just now, hanging out now with she them. Is, yeah and now she is the titan yes yeah the the young titan in her own right uh, a solid nickname young titan young titan that's hardcore uh <laughs> let's yeah. let's get into listener questions here we, we posted on Twitter uh, asking for some listener questions. We're not going to be able to answer all of them, but we will answer some of the ones that uh, we find at least particularly notable uh, among them. Uh, first one, do you think the Thorns will make any off-season moves or trades? I think... Yes. You, yes. I mean, yes. That, that, <laughs> that everybody usually always does. I mean, they don't have to do much, but they're going to do something, right? I mean, that, that, yes. Yeah. Uh, overall thoughts yeah. on the World Cup prior to it beginning. Uh, that by that, uh, this person means on the pitch. Uh, <laughs> teams you're watching, how yeah. off the field, deeply, deeply corrupt and illiberal. Yes, completely. I mean, the, one of the most. Off the field, one of the most evil and corrupt sports events of our lifetime. On the field, uh, it's pretty exciting. It's, it should be should be fun. But if you're willing to to completely set all of your moral uh, concerns aside, compelling on the field. M- Messi's last World Cup, uh, plen- plenty of storylines. So yeah, I, and and I think among the more sort of at the top uh open no clear favorite kind of world cups that we've had uh in men's world cups that we've had in a while uh you know this isn't the you know it's not 2010 when spain was inevitable it's not the years where die Mannschaft was inevitable uh it's none of those things i think this is a pretty open world cup a lot of folks like brazil a lot of folks like belgium a lot of folks like france um, but I think this is a year in which you can make a, a an argument for any number of, you know, probably half a dozen teams uh, winning the tournament. And it seems very much like the kind of year where uh, a team's form uh, is going to be really critical. Uh, and it's going to be about who shows up in good form. Uh, and so uh, I think for that reason, this is this is kind of a fun one uh, for uh, for neutrals or relative neutrals uh, to to enjoy. Uh and you know, in terms of, of the U.S., uh, I think this is a uh, a no or low expectations World Cup for the U.S. Uh, this is still a young team. There is one player on the roster who's ever been to a World Cup before, and he's not even a starter. DeAndre Yedlin, uh, Tim Ream uh, may have. Now I'm. I mean, look. I mean, this is eight year old knowledge for me. Uh, but I think Yedlin actually might be might be the only one uh, subject to being slightly wrong. Uh, the potential of, of me being slightly wrong, but in any event, this is not a team that is stocked with World Cup veterans for the U.S. And so I think this is, and and you know, I think eyes very reasonably are four years in the future when, if things go right for the U.S., you could see them being uh, a a you know pretty genuine threat in a World Cup on home soil. 
And so, you know, it, it's a low or no expectations uh, World Cup for the U.S. And, and, and it's about going out and getting in some of these games and getting uh, that kind of experience. Do I think the this U.S. team has a, you know, semifinal or even quarterfinal run in it? No, I do not. Uh, am I even <laughs> confident that they're going to that they're gonna get out of the group stage? No, I am not. Uh, but, you know, a, a, that nonetheless, that doesn't sort of defeat the value uh, of this World Cup uh, for the U.S. And, and, you know, hopefully they'll be competitive. Yeah, on the field should be should be exciting, should be fun to watch. Um, is uh, one question that was asked, is it just me or is winning three cups in 10 years of NWSL underwhelming? For a team just with you. the resources and talent of the Thorns, yeah, I just yeah. you, yeah, I I agree. I I don't think that it's underwhelming at all. I I think it's very hard, given the parity in in this league that has existed really from the beginning, for for a team like the Thorns to win. I, I don't think that you know they they have more resources, yes, than essentially every other NWSL team. Not necessarily still anymore now. League, still a salary cap league. Still still I'll major level of parity in terms of talent across the league for most of its existence. Um, I think that that, that skepticism of, of their greatness will be answered and essentially shut down in the next several years, because I, I think that there's an opportunity in the next five years for, for the thorns to win two, three, four championships because, because of the players that they currently have. And, and, once that happens, if that happens, um, they will. They already, I believe, are, are the class of the NWSL. Three championships, by the way, is is the most of any team in in the ten year existence of the league. Um, if they're not already, they definitely will be by the end of this coming decade. Um, what they have here in terms of resources is big, but bigger than the resources, the team culture, despite everything that's gone on is really strong and, and is something that people uh, need to acknowledge. Uh, so what is your favorite they, side story of the season was, I, I, the, I just yeah. want to like, you know, throw yeah, down we do get that, uh, yeah. a little bit on this. They, they are already, I mean, three titles in 10 years in a salary cap league is exceptional. That is great. <laughs> like that is, that is beyond any reasonable expectations. Uh, and it's, you know, when you have a salary cap league and look, I think there's a whole other podcast to be had about whether NWSL should be sort of following the MLS model of being a salary cap league. Uh, I, I think there is a good argument that this is the moment to sort of pull the plug uh, on on that approach uh, and to open things up a little bit more to allow NWSL to compete on an equal footing with the rest of the world because the rest of the world is starting to compete. Uh, and so, I mean, there's a whole other podcast to be had on that, but in a salary cap league, you just don't see the long-term dynasties that you see in non-salary cap leagues, right? You just don't see, you know, circumstances in which, in which teams are sort of restocking year after year and man citying it, uh, and, and, and able to do that over the course of a long period of time. Man City maybe actually isn't the best example of that. Bayern Munichening it. Bayern Muniching it. Mm. Uh, you just don't see that. And so three titles in 10 years in a salary cap league is excellent. There is absolutely nothing. If you are underwhelmed by that, you need to adjust your whelm meter because that is overwhelming, not underwhelming. Get whelmed, people. Uh, so <laughs> Get whelmed, people. 
what the the next question was what is your favorite side story of the season something outside of the the day-to-day coverage of the team and organization excluding Marcel so we're not allowed to to say Marcel even though Marcel Crystal Dunn's son is is cute as a button problem is is probably Marcel I mean, look, so much of that oxygen has been absorbed by things that are really unpleasant <laughs> that, that it's, it's, it's sort of hard to choose a favorite. What is my favorite side story of the year? Well, I can tell you what my least favorite was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> several least favorites. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is, that is a podcast in its own right. Uh, my favorite side story, uh, uh, of the year outside. I mean, it's Marcel. Uh, and, and, it, you know, I, I, I think it, it is more broadly the, the remarkable commitment and the extraordinary, and I want to underline extraordinary as I think Reen Wilkinson did uh, in her comments after the semifinal, the extraordinary uh, efforts of, of Crystal Dunn uh, to go from, from, you know, growing her family and giving birth to uh, being back on the field and being so effective so quickly. Uh, that was, I mean, that, that was extraordinary. And I think it's important to underline uh, Wilkinson's comments after the semifinal to note that that is not the expectation. That is not how it's going to go for everybody. That is not how everybody should approach it. That is not going to be the result for everybody who does approach it with a commitment that Crystal Dunn did, because that is extraordinary. Um, and so that is not the expectation for anybody in any line of work, and especially not in soccer. Uh, but it is nonetheless remarkable uh, for Dunn. So even though the, the prompt said, stay away from Marcel, uh, I'm not going to, because that's probably what just what it is. I agree with you. I'm not going to stay away from it either. I, th- I think that's undisputably the number one, indisputably the number one. Uh, it is not just Marcel's existence as a cute little baby, but but the, the journey that Crystal Dunn went on it, as you so eloquently explained. Um, to, to add a different one to the discussion, um, PTFC for Peace was really awesome. I, I don't think that... Yeah. Um, you know, it was in any way an attempt to to distract from from the off field issues that this team has faced. I think that it was a genuine um, show of goodwill, and and I think that it was a a beautiful moment of of the two teams that that spend a lot of time together and know each other, coming together on the field and and having a lot of fun and and doing so for what is obviously an incredible cause. Um, all the issues that that the the franchise is in the turmoil that it is, is uh, creating for itself in the, in the last couple of years. Um, that was easy to, to put aside for a moment during PTFC for peace, obviously not to, to discount the importance of, of those issues. But um, I, I think that that, that moment was a, a window into what is possible with, with a team like, uh, the Timbers and Thorns uh, organization, uh, and and more of that in the future uh, would be a very welcome sight, I think. I agree, and I guess I just don't really care about what the subjective intentions of you know people within PTFC leadership were with that, um, whether they were good, bad, or otherwise. I I just don't care. Uh, it like that event was good. <laughs> was just objectively good. Yes. Uh, and it was a good opportunity for the community to come together. It was a fun opportunity to see the Timbers and Thorns play together. It was fun to see them interact. It was fun to see Geo and Reen Wilkinson interact. Uh, it was, it, the, all of that was, was good. 
Uh, so whatever, whether their intentions were, were good or bad or otherwise or mixed, uh, I don't really care because the, the event was good. Also a good shout to George Fushive being a, a tremendous artist. Yes, that, that would be a, a major one for me as well. Uh, shout out to George. His, his art show was awesome. Had a chance to go there, um, and, and see his work, um, really talented guy and, and somebody who, uh, he's no longer with the team, but, but as he obviously has been a fixture with the Timbers over the years, uh, and, you know, shout out to George. He, he's a good dude, um, with, with a really incredible creative vision with, with his work. So want to give credit yeah. where it's due there as well. Cool stuff. And, uh, well, last question before we get to a, a special question that we received, um, is is a is a pair of questions uh, within the same tweet a trio actually uh any updates on the eric trident of questions yes a trident um the 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 first one being any updates on the eric transfer rumors that's the eric williamson transfer rumors uh my understanding is that eric williamson is not going anywhere that that's what i've consistently heard uh, from people in the know on this matter, uh, those type of rumors, uh, they, they have come up because of the, uh, purported conflict that existed between Eric Williamson and Giovanni Savarese. Um, we don't quite know how that transpired or, or what the exact reasoning for it was, but uh, there appeared to be some level of disconnect between between Gio and Eric in that final game of the season. Um, but despite that, uh, you know, Gio was signed to an extension. Uh, people saw that as a potential signal. Oh, well, they chose Gio in the Gio versus Eric fight. That means Eric's going to get transferred. But from what I have heard, uh, Eric is not going anywhere at this point. There's obviously the possibility out there that a transfer could happen and that they rake in some money that they can use elsewhere uh, in a deal like that for a guy that, that would be a, a high dollar transfer. But um, at this stage, uh, he's, he's a timber. I'm going to be slightly more equivocal about this because I mean, here are the facts that we know. We, we know because it was not subtle that there was at the end of the season, some degree of misalignment or disconnect between Williamson and Gio. We know that the Timbers have at least made it known that they are open to the idea, at least for the right price of trading or transferring Williamson. I mean, I mean it, 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 again, that was not subtle where the sourcing from Tom Bogart stories and others was coming from. It was coming from the Timbers front office. And so they have put it out there and we know that other teams have heard it <laughs> because we've received reports of LAFC and new England revolution, all sort of expressing interest, uh, in, in Eric Williamson to some degree. So we know that that is, I mean, those are just facts, right? It is, it is, I think a good sign for team keep Eric of which I am a member, uh, that, that there are now these, these murmurs that, that he could stay. Uh, and you know, it was somewhat more subtle, but maybe you can squint at, uh, Williamson's recent Instagram story, uh, as indicating an openness to that, which, you know, as I think I said on the front end, if the relationship between Williamson and Gio can be repaired or, or remain strong, 
uh, then that is the preference because he is simply just a better player than the, you know, million and a half dollars in allocation money or whatever they'd get uh, for him would get the Timbers back, right? I mean, that's barely more than one year of buying down a Max Tam guy uh, into uh, into sort of non-Tam range, right? So, I mean, in the end, that is, it sounds like a lot, but it goes quick. And if you can keep Williamson, who is a really good player, uh, that is preferable. So that's all great. And 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 if this is, in fact, a sign of momentum toward him staying in Portland, I think that's very, very welcome news. But I'm just a little bit more cautious about it because you have to like when 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 you at least have somebody who at least in theory was on the market and would be a big uh, and would take a lot to get him. uh, You have to be a little bit cautious about sort of reading too much into these kinds of rumblings because it very well could be a matter of the Timbers front office saying, you know what? We uh, we would definitely want out there the idea that we're open to, to trading Eric, but we don't want it to be too much, right? Because we want to make sure that that if we're getting offers, we're getting the offers that we're interested in, and we don't want sort of an, an open season or open market for Williamson. We want to drive home the idea that we have and are very interested in and want to pursue a no-action alternative. So you got to make us, motivate us truly to make this trade. That very well could be what this is too. Uh, and so, you know, I, 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 I think I, I have more hope today than I did, uh, a couple of weeks ago that Williamson could stay. Um, uh, but I am, I'm not willing to go so far as to say he is definitely going to stay because this is the kind of stuff you hear a lot, uh, when these kinds of things are going on. Uh, and you sort of just have to wait to see how they actually shake out. Yeah. There are competing narratives out there always. So, you know, information, if, if LAFC is just that, came yes. and offered, if LAFC came and offered $2 million in allocation money tomorrow, the Timbers might well trade him. Yeah, it is ultimately situation dependent. So we will see how that plays out. Uh, the other two questions that were in this tweet, we, we've already kind of addressed them, but we can hit them real quick uh, before we get to the final question of, of the night. Uh, should of the day. It's not night. What time is it? 10 a.m.? Yeah, not night. 10, uh, 10, 12 in the morning. Yeah. 10, 12 in the morning. Uh, should the Timbers... We have some distance to go before it's night. A long way to go before I sleep or something to that effect. Uh, should the Timbers try to sign a free agent center back like Matt Hedges? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that you you rightly earlier said that free agency is an underutilized mechanism by some teams in MLS and this is a good free agent class of defensive players. So yeah, a guy like Matt Hedges makes sense. Other center backs are out there for the taking. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think they should totally go that route. And, and uh, the additional question was absolutely. Although I'm, yes. I'm more interested in Alexander Collins or Kyan's or, or however you say his name, which has been said approximately eight different ways by broadcasters across MLS. Yeah. I got no idea how to say it. Um, last one, does extending Mora's contract make sense? Uh, yeah, get, it, it depends. I mean, we don't know the details. MLS is notoriously like, you know, not transparent about, <laughs> about the, uh, details of contracts, but, you know, theoretically, if it is what we think it is, which is a reduction in salary stretched over more years, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's good for Mora, first of all, you know, I think that, that should be the priority is what's what's good for the individual player. But if you're thinking about what's good for the team, uh, it's a risk. 
for sure, as as we've discussed. But um, I think it makes sense because they want to reward a guy who they believe is a high character individual who is friends with a lot of the the key contributors on this team. Um, it makes sense. Ask me in a couple of years if it made sense, uh, because then hindsight might be a, a little bit clearer. Yeah, I talked about my feelings on this earlier. So I'm just going to take this opportunity to say MLS should be more transparent about this stuff because, look, people love off-season tea. People love off-season tea. It attracts people to the league. It turns more people into sickos. uh, And MLS should be decidedly pro-sicko. They want everybody to be sickos. Uh, yeah, and, the, the, and the off-season tea turns us all into sickos. So the, the allow us meme. to have the off-season tea. You're talking. You're talking about the crazy. cartoon with the the guy staring in the window. The ha ha ha. Yes, guy. That's that's right. Yeah. MLS should be pro sicko. That that li- literally turned everybody into sickos. Should be like what they are trying to do, uh, and they handcuff themselves by being so uh, so obscure and and opaque uh, about these kinds of things. So they should stop doing that and let us let the sickos rule the world. Let the sickos rule the world. There's your podcast title. Uh, so the <laughs> the uh, the final question uh, of our podcast this week was submitted from from a very special listener, Emma Knight. Uh, she she provided us with the question: uh, Who would be? Congratulations, by the way, to Emma on uh, on her significant other landing Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, you know, I I as I tweeted, I'm obviously in the lead for for boyfriend of the year there, uh, having secured those tickets. I really didn't have a lot of trouble. I saw all these horror stories of people, you know, getting kicked out. Emma was one of them, getting kicked out of Ticketmaster and booted back to the yeah. homepage or stuff not loading or whatever. I literally was in line for about an hour and a half, got into to the Ticketmaster thing, clicked five seats, bought them and left. It was so it was when, r- insanely simple. I have no idea how I got so lucky, but you know, it is what it is. When Ron Wyden is tweeting about how you've mangled <laughs> the Taylor Swift <laughs> ticket buying process, you done screwed up. <laughs> Ron Wyden is so tuned in to, to stuff like that. It's hilarious sometimes, but um, yeah, no, the, the Taylor <laughs> Swift ticketing process was a nightmare for many. Uh, so apologies to those who were not uh, as fortunate as I, but you know, I got the tickets, so it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> so back to Emma's question, um, who would be your starting five in a pickup basketball game comprised of players from the Portland Timbers and Thorns? Uh, that includes yourself. At least two per team. Yes. At least two per team. Um, that includes yourself. So th- you'd be in the starting five theoretically or be the bench player. And so, so we'll, we'll can I bring each- myself off the bench. I think that's in the best interest of the team. In the best interest of the team. Yes, you can bring yourself off the bench. Uh, so that, that will be fine. Um, but we will pick five players, uh, two from each team at a minimum, uh, and, and go back and forth here in, in a draft style approach. So we'll flip a coin to decide who gets the number one pick. Uh, Chris, you call it. I'll call heads. It is tails. So, uh, oh, come on. So the guy who can see the coin uh, on, on his Google coin flip app here, uh, 
somehow won. That's interesting. Could have been rigged. Uh, so <laughs> number one Could've pick. Been. Although um, I, I'm not an election denier, so I'll, I'll take your word for it. I have no evidence <laughs> to call into question the veracity of that. Well, all you got to do is call it into question and then it's in question. See, you know, that's how things work now. Um, my number one pick is, <laughs> is uh, Zach McGraw. Um, because you know, you, you always need a tall shot blocker, uh, in, in this pickup league that we're imagining. Uh, and he's, he's somebody who played football in high school, blocked eight extra points his senior year as a football player, which is nuts. (laughs) That's a lot of, uh, a lot of XP's blocked, uh, super athletic guy can jump. Um, I'm not sure how he is as a basketball player, never played pickup with him, but you know, he's, he's big, he's athletic. He's in really good shape. Zach McGraw is my uh, number one overall pick, a, a Rudy Gobert style uh, player, theoretically, in this pickup game. Uh, I'm going to take Sophia Smith. Uh, Smith, because of the way that she's able to use her body to create separation, uh, even though she's not very tall, I think she's got a real chance to be sort of a Charles Barkley uh, type player. Uh, I think she'll she'll overperform uh, on the boards uh, and, and, and being a be a, a monster uh, in in being able to score. Yeah, uh, there was there was a video of the U.S. women's national team shooting around uh, at uh, after practice. They were shooting soccer balls into a basketball hoop. Um, you know, I respect that pick, and and I I obviously admire Sophia Smith as an athlete, but I did see her jump shot a little bit uh, in that video, and I'm I'm not sure. I'm. And I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not expecting so to, to be my knockdown shooter. All right. <laughs> just, just an enforcer. Okay. Um, that- I, uh, yeah. And, and she's, she's going to move Zach off the block all day long. Okay. You may have height, but, but he's going to get pushed off the block by, by self. Yeah. She's used to, to the, the double and triple teams on the soccer pitch that, uh, create the inevitable contact. So I, I can definitely, um, uh, see her, her being tough, uh, in that regard, uh, my, my next pick would be Bella Bixby. Uh, she, she's somebody who's one of the tallest players. There with my first uh, that's, that's tough. Uh, but Bella Bixby for me, for my number two pick, uh, to join Zach McGraw in the front court, uh, somebody who's, um, athletic can jump. Uh, she uses her hands as a soccer player. So instantly more qualified than anybody else on the field. Um, just, just, uh, I'm, I'm sure she, uh, at some level, uh, whether it was high school or, or below played basketball, I would have to, to double check on that. But I mean, she's six feet tall, you know, I'm, I'm eye to eye with her and if not a little bit shorter than her, since I'm officially listed at five eleven and one half inch tall, um, you know, just under the six foot foot threshold, but, um, Bella Bixby yeah, is, tough. You is, can't get yeah. that round up. Yeah, I know. Well, I I've been rounding up for years. I've been telling people I'm six one sometimes for years, but you know, I I don't want to live in a lie anymore. So I'm just I'm just gonna come out officially and enlist myself as five eleven and a half on this public forum. <laughs> so your uh, second, I'm going second Eric pick. Williamson with my second pick. Eric, okay, Eric Williamson. Yep. Uh, Eric is, is Eric to me plays soccer like pickup basketball. Uh, right. There's, there's, there's very little wasted movement, but everything he does, uh, is, uh, is, you know, is designed, uh, and, and has intention to it. And so, uh, Eric is going to be my sort of offensive go-to. I think he's going to be a knockdown shooter. Um, and he's also not afraid to get into a little bit of a scrap, which is critical, uh, in a pickup game. 
yeah, uh, my my next pick. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going pretty big. Like this is this is like a seriously like powerful lineup here. Um, not a lot of ball handlers. By by, I, I maybe Bixby could be my point guard at this stage. But you know, looking at the team, we'll, we'll see. Um, I'm picking Larry's Mabiala. Uh, with my with my next pick that that's a dude that just screams power forward right i mean that, <laughs> his his toughness his his size his athleticism um you put him maybe at the four uh with with zach mcgraw at the five uh, bella bixby on on the wing uh and occasionally uh in a post up type situation um Give me, give me Mabiala uh, as as my rebounding power forward in the mold of of somebody like Reggie Evans. Maybe that there's a, there's an NBA throwback name for you. Who, uh, he, he's just a, a straight rebounder, defense tough guy. So uh, look, give me, give me Larry's. I'm spreading you out. I'm going Claudio Bravo, uh, number three. Uh, I think we've <laughs> got the the Manu Ginobili Argentine connection. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, I, I've got Eric who I think is going to be, uh, going to be able to, to, to drive, but also to, to knock down. Uh, and then I'm just going to have Bravo carve you up, uh, being a, a clever passer, uh, but somebody who can, who can knock down at the corners, bro. Your team is so hey, short. Good, good luck to Mac. Good luck to Zach McGraw chasing, chasing Bravo out to the corners all day. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right? And, and what, what, what's, Bra- what's Bravo going to do when he drives to the basket? <laughs> He's going to get swatted. By- He's going to. He's going to distribute just like Manu did. Distribute to 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 who? Who's who's on who's on the wing uh, waiting Eric. for for a three pointer? So Eric's got a. You think Eric's got a got a strap? He he can he can shoot the three. Absolutely. I'll ask him. I'll see if he. <laughs> right. I'll we'll uh, next, we'll next, see how it goes. Next time I see him, I'll uh, I'll ask him if he can if he's a hooper. Um, my next pick is Rocky Rodriguez. Just adding to the grit and grind of my squad. Um, you talked about Sophia Smith as somebody who could be like in an enforcer, you know, Charles Barkley type type role. Um, that's quintessentially Rocky. She she is so physical on the field that I could totally see her just being an absolute force on the basketball court. Um, potentially my point guard, but hoping to to maybe pick my uh, my PG. Uh, with with my final pick here so it depends on depends on where you go uh, i'm going christine sinclair nice as as my fourth pick uh i need a little bit of interior presence uh and 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 i you know uh given that we're going to be stretching you out i want an interior presence who's going to be able to pass a little bit and i think that's sync right we're going to put her down on the block and we're going to play through her quite a bit uh as 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 we have you know so uh just causing problems with her with her ability to create space uh eric knocking and, and eric and uh and and claudia knocking down so yeah i'm going sync with my fourth pick and frankly i'm a little bit surprised uh i was able to get her uh this late yeah that's a late round steal because she's somebody who uh just given given her height and athletic ability uh is bound to to have played some level of basketball like over the years right definitely like at, at some, I, I don't remember it being in her book that she was, she was a basketball player, but I, I could be mistaken. Who's to say, I also though love my team's sort of like just kind of X dog, uh, <laughs> you know, ability, uh, against yours. I think we, and, and, the, and, you know, not to forecast where I'm going with my five pick, but I, I, my five pick I'm maximizing for X dog. Uh, 
my pick before you make yours, um, and and I think this might have been where you were about to go, uh, Sebastian Blanco for for my uh, for my final pick. He's he's a short guy. Let's let's not beat around the bush. There's there's some some undersized basketball players on both sides. Uh, a little more on yours than mine, but you know. That's that's just how we picked our, our squads. Um, Seba is my final pick because I I I can envision this man on a pickup basketball court. Right? You've you've seen guys like this over, over your your time playing pickup basketball in your life. I'm sure. Just they they don't when you immediately see them strike you as as a basketball player, but they are so scrappy and annoying and just difficult and you know he, he he's gonna be one of those guys that's got like a knee brace on and like long sleeves and he's just gonna piss you off uh on the basketball court and, and so i i like that as, as my as my five we got you know sebastian blanco at the one uh rocky rodriguez at the two bella bixby at the three larry smabiala at the four and the big man zach mcgraw in the middle at the five for, for my squad. Yeah. The not enough athleticism there, which is where I'm going with my number five. It's Morgan Weaver. Uh, no doubt. Uh, she's going to be a slasher for us, but perhaps more importantly, uh, she's going to be the team's like designated trash talker, uh, the celebrator, like all of those <laughs> things, uh, is what Weaver's there for. She's got athletic ability, uh, you know, th- that's just through the roof. Um, and 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 she is going to be uh, who gets under Seba's skin uh, and gets uh, <laughs> gets Seba uh, a couple tees uh, and, and and tossed and so uh, so yeah uh, it, it's Morgan Weaver for me yeah one honorable mention uh, now that we have our our five that that I didn't pick but I would if I was I was picking a six is Dyron Espria that dude can probably dunk easily right he's very yeah, very much a leaper that would have been a good shout I also think Kelly Hubley. Uh, I, I, I thought about going in that direction with, with my fifth pick, uh, because I, th- I thought about whether I wanted a little bit more, more, more length inside, but given that we're sort of selling out, uh, on athleticism, uh, and, and being able to, to, to stretch you out and get Zach chasing everybody all over the floor, uh, I, I decided to go with Morgan. Okay. And so what's, what's the starting five for you then, uh, positions one through five. Uh, one, uh, is probably Claudio, uh, although it's kind of a combo guard situation between Claudio and Soph, uh, where we, we've got, uh, and then we've got sort of in the three, four positions, which we're both going to you know, sort of play in the trailblazers style, uh, of combo three fours. Uh, we're going to go with, uh, with, uh, Weaver and Williamson, uh, and then, uh, with sync sort of in the Mark Gasol role. Mm, I like that a distributor at the at the center spot is it's never a bad thing you know the, that's exactly right the, the that's exactly the, right the best of Yusuf Nurkic for the Portland Trailblazers is is the guy who's in the high post uh you know finding cutters and and being in the right place at the right time um and Christine Sinclair that's money right there so uh hearing those starting fives uh between between the two of us uh respond to us on twitter uh i might put a poll up maybe later to to see who uh who people think would win in in that pickup basketball game and hey you know maybe maybe we can exert our influence in some way and get this game to actually be played um (laughs) and and you and me could be the to be clear i have no influence whatsoever yeah if you're hoping for me to exert influence (laughs) good luck (laughs) 
<laughs> we'll just use our platforms to say, come on, y'all, come play some basketball with no, I I don't know. It this is this is not gonna happen in real life, but it's it's fun to fun to think about. So thank you to, to Emma Knight for that uh, superb question. I will say I will use my non-existent influence to say there is an open invitation uh, on on this space on this podcast to people whose names would be like you know Karina LeBlanc or Ned Grabovoy or or Reen Wilkinson or, or Gio Savarese open invitation swing on by anytime the fire's warm we don't swear too much it's great yes we will definitely have some guests on this this off season and uh the the invitation is open to any and all who are interested in joining us um this has been a fun episode uh, a long one uh to to discuss this off season and looking forward to to more in the next few weeks uh i will be off the next two however to uh, spend some holiday time with family uh so we will catch you next time that we're able to get together but uh, enjoy thanksgiving if you do celebrate that holiday uh and and as we continue through november and december there will be plenty more stories to talk about when it comes to the thorns and timbers so keep on listening uh, follow us on twitter at soccer maiden pdx uh like us subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts thanks for joining us